Hello listeners and welcome to the Africa podcast where we look to celebrate African history by telling our story. As you're aware, one of the things that is important to Afriwetu is the very dope legends and ancestors we have as part of our story. So today is a legends show with a true legend from Eswatini, which also means this is a guest narrator show and I'm so so very pleased to have in her studio with me once again I might add my super duper friend and all-round queen of Nyami, Miss June Gashui. <laughs> now, since we last had her on the show, telling us tales about love and frogs, yes, love and frogs, go and listen to her episode. I'll tell you which one it was later on. She's only become more Nyami. And to be fair, she really, really genuinely needs no introduction. But very briefly... From being an IP lawyer, actress, chanteuse extraordinaire, a mentor, writer, dancer, live performance artist, that's what the world sees. And now she's on radio. People, she's on radio. She's on radio. (laughs) But I find the best thing is how supportive, fierce, and crazy a friend she is and actually makes me feel very sane. Please say hello to the people, June. Hello, the people. Hello, the people. (laughs) It's good to be back. It's good to be back. It's good to have you back. It's been like, what, two years? Shukran. It is time. Now, I'm going to hand back to you in a bit when I give a few facts about Eswatini. But first, did you want to give us a tease about your legend or you want people to just dive right in? All they need to know is she's a queen. She, good one. I like it. I like it. That's all you need to know. She's a queen. <laughs> so, okay. So let me share a few facts about this dope kingdom called Eswatini. It's a landlocked country between two countries, Mozambique to the east and South Africa to the north, west and south. Eswatini has two capital cities. Mbambane is the administrative capital with, while Lombamba is a national capital. Uh, in 2018, this same King Swati III renamed the country from Swaziland to the kingdom of Eswatini. And in fact, the monarch announced the official change in a stadium during celebrations of the 50th anniversary. However, an interesting fact to note is that the kingdom has always been considered Eswatini by its people. So the change was only like a legal affirmation. I'm going to get this wrong, but the Sibebe rock in Eswatini is the world's second largest monolith and the largest granite dome in the world. The massive volcanic rock is over 3 billion years old. The Makhonja Mountains, which are located in both South Africa and Eswatini, are formed of rocks dating far as 3.6 billion years ago, one of the oldest mountain ranges in the world. And then the oldest mine in the world is located in Eswatini, the Ngwenye Mine. The sand people were actually already mining, excavating pieces of iron ore to use at least 43,000 years ago. And lastly, the kingdom's national symbols, the lion represents the king and the elephant represents the queen mother, which segues well into your legend, Miss June. Thank you, madam. (laughs) 
Today, we shall meet one of Africa's great rulers, the Ndlovukati Labotsibeni Gwamile Mduli of Eswatini Kingdom, a woman whose massive impact and legacy lives on, especially to those in Southern Africa. So who was she? Labotsibeni Mluli was a force to be reckoned with. And that is not an exaggeration, ladies and gents, boys and girls. I mean, she held the title of Ndlovukati, a regent. She was loaded. She was a diplomat. She was a strategist. She was fiercely proud of her heritage and fiercely protective of her people. She was for real, like for real, real, an African legend. But before we get carried away, let's go back to the beginning. Up in the northern Hoho region, in the royal Elulekweni household, this was circa AD 1858-59, around there. A father, Matsanjana Mbluli, and a noble wife of the Mabuza clan welcomed a bouncing baby girl. Fun fact, when the baby was born, Matsanjana was out fighting the Tsibeni. And that is what led to the baby girl being called Labotsibeni. Get it? When her father died, Labotsibeni moved to central Eswatini to live with her uncle, Chief Mvelase Mbluli. Being of noble birth and standing, Velase resided in his own royal homestead in the Etsulwini Valley, Luzizini. Mm -hmm. And then Labotsibeni, a princess in her own right, hailing from the home of the Mbluli people, was considered a suitable wife for one of the ruling family's sons. She was then betrothed to Prince Bandenzi. She was taken through the training by Tanzile, who was the mother of Mswati II and widow of Sobuza I, to understand the role of Andlovukati. The two of them went from friends to foes as they came to lead opposing factions after the late Ngwenyama's death, hinged on two issues. They both wanted their sons to rule, because the role of queen mother, Ndlovukati, was pretty powerful, and you were also a co-regent if you held that role, and their opposing views on the white settlers in their land. But we digress. Laibotsibeni and Bandezi got married and had four main children named Bunu, who later became known as Ngwenyama Bunu Heli Mahiklo, Ngwane the second, Malunge, Lomvazi, and Tongo Tongo, their daughter. They were also the grandparents of Mona. No, 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 not Mona of Afriwetu. I'll tell you about who that is. Mona, ascending to the throne, had his name officially changed to Ngwenyama Sobuza II. Now, before we continue, might be a good idea to give some context of the era our Labotsibenu was operating in. 
The Kingdom of Eswatini had a constitutional dual monarchy system, which meant that alongside the Nguenyama, the Ndlovukati held a key political position. She held the responsibility of advising and counseling the ruler and would also act as co-regent if the boy was not yet of age. She was consulted on, had influence and power over state matters. It was not a ceremonial role in any way. She was also seen to have the supernatural power to make it rain, make that money, and make it actually rain. At the point in time when our Labot Sibeni was of age and learning the ropes of being a member of the ruling family, the kingdom was going through a rough patch. It had been weakened by various issues, one of which was the loss of land to the foreigners. This was a decision that was made by the then Nguenyama Mswati II under duress, who believed that the only way to keep his core kingdom intact was to hive off and sell parcels of land to the said foreigners. His successor, Labotsibeni's husband, aware of the threat, continued with this trend to mitigate complete loss of their territory. Now, once her husband died, this land issue, together with other factors, further fueled the tension between the two formidable women in royal Swati society. Afriwetu has actually covered this in The Kingdom of Eswatini, Season 3, Episode 16. So go on and have a listen for further details. But for purposes of today, it is enough for you to know that things were not great in the land of Lamini's descendants. Now that we have some context, let's go back to our legend. Her ascension to the throne was rather unusual. Now we know she was married to Nguinyama Bandezi Dlamini, the eldest son Bunu was selected to succeed his father, and once crowned, he could then be called Ngwane V, which would then make her the Ndlovukati at the appointed time. The selection of Ngwane V wasn't automatic, however. He had to have been approved by the royal council, and in fact, it is believed that it is due to the respect held for his mother, her character, and so many other things that led him to being chosen as the successor. The widowed queen mother, Tibati, was still the queen regent and stayed on in the royal homestead, Nkanini, while still playing a very active role in the kingdom's politics. This, however, meant that our Labotsibeni had to play second fiddle and establish her son's headquarters in a place called Zombodze. This conflict between the queens lasted till Tibati's death in 1895. Labotsibeni becoming the Ndlovukati all seems pretty simple at this point, but there were actually two issues with her holding such a post. First, in Swati tradition, it was preferred that the Ndlovukati only had one son, as it was feared that she may try to use her influence to get all her sons to become rulers. Labotsibeni had more than one child, specifically more than one son. The other issue was her lineage. Strictly speaking, if we were to follow the order of things, her clan were not next in line to ascend to the throne. Basically, it wasn't their turn yet. You get, you get that, right? They had to wait 
But despite all of that, she was seen and proven to be the best person for the job. And once Tibati passed on in 1895, Labotsibeni became the undisputed Ndlovukati and her official reign began. Ndlovukati Labotsibeni Mluli took charge during her son's rule. She inherited a fractured kingdom in need of strong leadership and peace, having suffered incursions of the foreigners and the infighting of the then royal family. She was entrusted to unite the people, bringing stability following the confusion and the division that the kingdom faced. She was seen to be a wise and strategic woman whose natural ability to steer the kingdom to its former greatness was second to none. For this and more, she earned the nickname Guamile, which means the indomitable one, given to her by her subjects. Her son, Guane V's reign, came with its own set of problems, which he contributed to, let's be honest, and as a result, he had to flee the kingdom. He was brought back to rule a few years later, and during this entire period, his mother remained at the helm. He unfortunately died shortly after his return, and because his successor was only six months old at the time, per tradition, his mother kept the reins. So, Labotsibeni reigned not only as the Nlovukati for her son, Guane V, from 1890 to 1899, but upon his death, she became the queen regent for her grandson, Mona Nkofotjeni who was later known as Ngwenyama Sobutsa II from 1899 to 1921, ruling for two whole decades. She ruled effectively. She was considered to be an intelligent, eloquent spokesperson and an intrepid representative for her people, the Swati. Labotsibeni didn't just sit back happy to be the ruler. No, she was also keenly aware of her subject's issues and the plight of the Africans in the face of colonization. Actually, before we go further, let's talk cash. Let's talk money, 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 money. Money. I hope you all sang along. This woman was very deliberate and strategic in her financial decisions. She gave £1,000 to the British, yes, gave them back their money, who were fundraising as part of their war effort. This money was used to buy one of their planes. Now, please remember that at the time, and even now, that was buku a lot of sterling. So she put her money where her mouth was, and when the plane was bought, she insisted that it bore her name because she wanted to make sure that the role women played in World War I was respected. Imagine that. Such a boss move. Acutely aware of the land issues, Labotsibeni set up the LIFA Fund. This fund was created to raise money to start buying back Swati land. Almost two-thirds of the kingdom had either been sold off or lost through proclamation to the colonizers. Lifa Fund managed to raise thousands of sterling to buy back land. In 1912, she financially supported a black-owned publication, the Abantubato newspaper. She gave them £3,000 and also became a key shareholder. 
Abantu Bato was well known for its mission to give a voice to the Africans who were being oppressed and addressing their plight. This included calling out the impunity of employers, horrid working conditions, abysmal salaries, and the institutionalization of land grabbing. One of its most notable challenges was after the passing of the Natives Land Act in 1913, which they criticized as its provision ensured that Africans remained in a state of poverty and want. The paper was published in local languages of Sesotho, Setswana, Nkosa, and Zulu, as well as English. Labotsibeni handed over power and relinquished her regent position to her grandson, Nguenyama Sobutsa II, in 1921. And in order to prepare him for the new world, she was said to have insisted that he was educated in the very best of the Western-style education system. And this was not really a popular opinion back then. She was keenly aware that in order for him to be ready to face the future, he needed to be educated in the same style as the whites. Labotsibeni, having completed her mission for her kingdom, died after a long illness in December of 1925 and was buried in Zombodze. Our Labotsibeni's legacy is celebrated in her kingdom of Eswatini and South Africa. She has been immortalized. You can find her likeness in various sculptures across cultural sites and museums. There are many, 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 Mona said to say, many, many things she did in her tenure. She was in power for close to 50 years. Too many to recount here. But we can highlight just a few of the ones we spoke about earlier. Let's start with her insistence on women's rights and acknowledgement of their value through bankrolling a World War I plane. That was a powerful message, considering that at the time in the UK, women still did not have the right to vote. Yet here was this African woman defying this norm. Her patronage of the Abantu Bato publication further advanced women's rights. A clear example is their highlighting of the work done by Charlotte Maxeke, who was a well-known women's rights activist. Another dope fact about Labotsibeni's investment in the Abantu Bato is that it was the official communication organ of the South African Native National Congress, SANNC, which later became the freedom and independence organization that fought against apartheid. That's right, people, the African National Congress. Yes, the ANC. How dope! Her work through the LIFA Fund saw the kingdom reclaim approximately 60% of its property by the 1960s, a powerful legacy. Now, both her supporters and her enemies, the latter begrudgingly, respected her shrewd judgment, strong leadership skills, astuteness in debate and diplomacy, her self-assuredness, determination, and intelligence. To paraphrase a statement from Toko Genitza's article titled The Power Behind the Swazi Throne, our queen was a woman of, and I quote, outstanding intelligence, ability and character and experience. And being a woman with no formal education, her wisdom, her perception, her wit, 
and determination. Dlovukati Lapotsibeni Guamile was indeed a true legend. Thank you, thank you, thank you. That was so dope. Honestly, thank I was, you. I was seeing, I was like, this chick was dope. <laughs> She was dope. She was dope. She was dope. She was gangster dope. dope. She was gangster dope. So very quickly, I'm going to say thank you again to you, and then I'm going to ask you what was your best bit about her story. I think the balance between sort of accepting the calling. Mm-hmm. Um, because that starts with who you decide to marry. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Be very careful. <laughs> accepting the calling, um, being patient, especially mm. that time when you sort of have your mother-in-law who's like, I ain't leaving. This here, my house. <laughs> I ain't going nowhere. And you kind of have to be humble. It's like, okay, okay, okay. Wait, wait your turn. But sort of, you know, just knowing that the, the right time for the right thing will come when it comes. Yeah. And I think that's a sort of powerful lesson, I think, um, that stood out for me. Um, I think given the time, I'm, I'm thinking like 1890s. Yeah. Yeah. You know, what on earth did people know? Did mamas <laughs> know in the 1890s? Clearly a whole lot. A lot. And having uh, earned the respect of her peers mm-hmm. um, in terms of being a mother, queen regent, but also the men, yeah. you know, in that uh, kingdom and the, the colonizers who came in to negotiate with her. Yeah. Where she could even say, Munataka loan. Because she was like a loan shark. <laughs> she was like a, like, a I can loan. give you like a, a, yeah. a thousand. Would, would that be okay? Would that be all right? Yeah, but I want a plane. Yeah. And I want my name. Put my name on it. On the plane. Put my name on it. You got to <laughs> put some respect put on some it. Put some respect. So that for me was just, was just really dope. And I think it's a reminder that we've probably had all this power inside us. Mm-hmm. Um, whether we are, you know, royalty in the sense of, the kingdom has to have a queen and a king. And yes. a, you know, um, we have all of that power inside yeah. us. And so wherever it is that we are, I guess the question to all of us is, have we even begun to complete our mission? No. Yeah. And today we talk about our purpose. Have you found your purpose? Are you doing the thing you're supposed to be doing? Yeah. And I guess for me, this was what she was supposed to do. It's almost like she was born to do it. Because if you even, even going back to the fact that it wasn't their turn. No. Yeah, yeah. Also, <laughs> Actually, her clan. Mm. Also, a clan. It wasn't mm-hmm. their turn. And yet, despite that, and despite you know, mom in law just being <laughs> and mom in lawish, yeah, <laughs> mom in lawish, um, she still managed to convince her friends and her foes mm. that she was the right Glovukati. And when her son misbehaved and came back and then died, she still was able to become the co-regent. Yeah, I, I, it's it's just dopeness. I know that when I was when I was reading this, finding out about her, I was just like, and, and as I said before, I knew very little about Eswatini before I started doing the research. Yes. So finding this story was just amazing, and it goes back to your point of: Are we actually doing what we're supposed to be doing? Mm. Because there are these amazing stories of these African women, mm. legends, who are not necessarily royal, some are not, who are just, who just killed it yeah. and smashed it. And 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 maybe just to to summarize what she's done, because you know, this this quote at the end mm-hmm. by Toko Ginidza, um 
highlighting that she didn't really have a formal education at all. No. And it makes me think of a of a statement that was made um, when re- there was research that was carried out. I, I forget by who, but they were talking about how women won't even apply for a job, let's say, when they see a vacancy. Mm-hmm. They won't apply for it if they don't have, let's say, three or four of the things uh, are missing from the list of requirements. Yeah. Whereas maybe... Of a list um, of 20, by the, the way. Of the list of 20, yeah. <laughs> Yes. Our male ca- counterparts may have only those four, but they're going to apply and say, in fact, <laughs> Mimi, Mimi is the person to give to be it given this me. job, which is, is mine. It is mine. And, and the question then in this forum that we were having this discussion about that study is why is that the case, right? Mm-hmm. So I wonder if, uh, you know, um, Labotsi Beni had sat back and said, I didn't go to school. Let me just yeah. sit here as a ceremonial queen. Let me just be a mom. Mm-hmm. Let me just chill yeah. and let somebody else play that role yeah. because I didn't have formal education or I didn't have one or two of the things on the job description. And I think that for me was really powerful. Just whatever you have is enough of a set of tools to be able to get the job done. Actually, you know what it is? You already have the tools. Yeah. It's, it's almost like you already have the tools. True. But um, thank you. You're welcome. But I'm going to also say thank you for coming back. So (laughs) people, if you haven't heard her her episode before, shame on you. But it is season series one, episode 10. It is called The Daughter of the Sun and Moon. (laughs) So last time she came here to tell us about frogs and love. I promise, listen to the episode, it'll make sense. And now she's come to talk to us about legends, (laughs) legends. Um. Would you like to say, would you like to tell the, little, the people a little bit more about you? I give a very short, short, short intro. No, no. She's really. also on radio, yeah. <laughs> I'm going to have to say that, yeah. Because it's just fun to say, because she always blushes. But yeah. Uh-huh. I, I, mean, I, don't, I don't think there's much more that I would say. I think I'm still on my journey, um, trying out new things. Nice. Um, learning to say uh, maybe because I have been a, the yes the yes chick <laughs> for a long time. Now I'm saying maybe mm-hmm. um, and and being a bit more selective about the things that I do, just because I'm I'm more aware of the the most precious resource that we have, which is time, yeah, um, and health, and really just you know in all the things I do, I think what it is is communicating and storytelling. I think if I was to sum up. All the things that I do, whether it's uh, through music, through radio now, through, you know, being on stage and acting, uh, being in, in a TV series or, a, you know, a TV show. It's really just communicating. And even nice. in my very serious day job that I went very to school serious, for. Very serious, by the um, way. She's very serious, honestly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what are we doing? We're communicating to our clients um, with, you know, creative solutions to their problems. So I think that's how I would summarize it. I am a, an effective communicator. Wow. I think, you know, what? I'm watching her from across in her place and you can just see the light going like, oh, that's what I am. Yes. I think now I have a tag. Yes. Now you have a tagline. Now, and now Here I on have. Everywhere to exclusive. <laughs> I have communicated to myself. It means the message has landed. Because <laughs> also, otherwise we're just talking, right? If the message Although, has not arrived and been transmitted talking. successfully for the else. other person to acknowledge receipt and understanding. It's just talking. You have not communicated. <laughs> Effectively. <laughs> or at all. In fact, even at all. How can people follow you, follow what it is you're doing? Yeah, at June Gashui uh, on all social media platforms. You can also check out my website, 
jungashui.com yes i got have websites guys i'm very serious hey you're very serious very. Mm-hmm. um what else can you do you can call me on 07 no, i'm kidding <laughs> 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 send a note on the socials and uh, if you sound legit i'm a holler back <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, please please follow me. Um we have a, a lot of amazing um entertainment things coming up. So yep. please come come through for those if you hear this in time. If not just subscribe to the newsletter and you will never be in lack of an update. And you also I mean you should also tell them, you know, about the other serious work because you mentioned the yeah, serious work and then yeah, you didn't yeah, say Yeah, 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 of course. So I'm an IP lawyer. I run wait, uh, wait, wait. a mm-hmm. firm called JGIP Consultants. And um, our speciality is intellectual property, entertainment law, and anything in that uh, universe uh, or metaverse. I hear that's the new word now. It's meta. <laughs> it's all meta. It's all meta. It's all meta. Metaverse. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I also think that um, in that particular space, it's been very interesting to just watch the the how it has evolved over time. It's still, I think, in its infancy, maybe 10, 15 years um is when people sort of started paying attention to it not that it wasn't there before but yeah. i think as our creative industries and economies thrive and grow um this is a huge support system for them and so yeah check us out at jgipconsultants.co.ke uh, we're also on social media because all of you are so <laughs> for us to <laughs> remain relevant we've had to jump on board um as uh, as the lawyers of today Uh, but yeah, if you've got any of those questions or concerns and you just want to better understand how you can protect uh, your content, how you can protect the genius of your mind, um, give us a call and we'd be happy to help. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Welcome, welcome, welcome. So with that, I'll wrap it up and say to everybody, thank you all for tuning in. And until next time, Mubarikiwe! Mubarikiwe! That was our harmony. Thanks. (laughs)